Team Talk, Episode 9, Scattered with Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Wade. Um, Thank you for having me. Hey, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Yeah, no, I'm at your house, and the dogs are asleep. Do your dogs go to sleep like that every night? Um, Yeah, this is pretty Or did Robin take them? No, no, they're, they're chilling there. Maybe she put something in the water. Yes, so they're, you know, been knocked out. Because Muddy, I guarantee you, he's right now barking at the grass blowing in the wind. Oh, no, these two are super chilled. Wow. Yeah. They're, um... You can tell that by the weight they've put on, I think. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm <laughs> little barrels. It's, it's like winter weight. It's you know, fine, I, guys. The one is a half a shot pay. I'm just going to claim that it's his genetics. <laughs> it's, a, it's in the genes. You know, I, I, think you, I think you're speaking French. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, first of all, just to get us started, tonight we are... We're here because we didn't record on Sunday. And that happens. Yeah. I'm not judging you, you know, or anyone else that might away, have fiddled away. with things, but we want to talk about... It's probably for the best that that recording <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> Derek said you didn't speak heresy or anything. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. He probably nodded off. He said that there were two instances of five minutes of silence. Mm. Reflective time? Uh, just time for the Holy Spirit to do his yeah. thing, you know. It's, no, that's it's true. how you got to do it. We... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave it there. So we're talking about the Gospel of Mark mm. and uh, three themes that are totally unscientifically picked out by me for this are a king, mm-hmm. his kingdom, and that king calling us to follow him into his kingdom. Mm. Um, and I'm using loose language there because uh, I think Mark uses pretty loose language to talk about discipleship, mm-hmm. we very much see it as like, uh, or historically speaking, you know, it's often seen as like a decision and then I don't know what. <laughs> but in Mark's gospel, you know, it's a decision to turn away from something. It's a turn, a decision to leave something. It's an action to leave something. Sometimes it doesn't even seem like a decision's been made. We don't have the, like, the thinking of the person following mm-hmm. him. They just follow. Yeah. Whether that means leaving things behind or staying where they're at or being healed or whatever it is. Sometimes no real conclusion. Yeah, no real conclusion at all. So um, a king, his kingdom, and a a call to discipleship or a call to follow him into that kingdom. So that is kind of where I've started us. But this past week, you picked up preaching for me because I'm being lazy. I tried to. I tried to. Okay. No, I think you did it. You preached. You preached. Yeah, no, it, and it, it was good. It's uh, nice to, you know, be in the preacher's seat. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting to, you know, see what that feels like. And uh, it's just a, yeah, it's a whole different perspective, I think, that you gain when you come to the text with that in mind that you're going to be looking into it. And now instead of just sitting reading it for yourself um, and that's where it would end is now you have to try and bring it to someone else to, to show them like what you've got out of it Yeah. so it's um, a really good learning um, curve for me just to interact with the text on yeah. that level because I've done a lot of sermon prep in the past and that kind of thing but um, yeah I didn't really preach it much 
Yeah. Um, no, it is good. weird. It's almost like you have to... I was describing it to Finnegan the other day because he said, hold on, Dad, you learn when you're preparing to preach? Mm. And I said, well, yeah, no, that's all I'm doing, actually. Yeah. I'm just learning. So and tell someone else. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm just yeah. like a big dam up there, and there's only so much that people can swallow. So it's just the overflow of what's coming out of me. There's a lot of depth behind what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it's almost like uh, there's only so much that I can say yeah. or repeat. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's when, when I read Mark sort of as a whole, um, and if you, I think if you had to sit, uh, take like a one sitting and read through the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, I think you'd get that kind of feeling from what he was doing when he wrote it feels like there's just so much that he's saying mm. but a lot of it he's just saying so fast that it's just to <laughs> get through this um in, in a way but you know just like not really drilling down a lot of the details um, yeah but also at the same time just covering so much stuff yeah um which is cool which is really cool i, I love this gospel yeah definitely one of my of the four i think probably second favorite Oh, ooh. Ooh, why? What happened? Luke. I I just love Luke. That's true. Well, maybe it's the details. Just, yeah, just this different. Yeah, he's uh, he's an investigator. Mm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it is. You're an investigator. Here and there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So speaking of you, though, Steve, Mm. uh, who are you? So I'm Steve Osmond. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh man, what to say about myself? Uh, married to Robin, <laughs> we've been married. Oh, there's so four much years. to say. So much. I feel like four I have years. to pick and choose. Okay, yeah, All four right. years. Yeah, November seventh will be four years. Ooh, okay, I'm gonna write that down. Then. Yeah, that auspicious occasion. Yeah. And you guys do anything special for number four? Well, we're actually going to be up in Johannesburg at the end of this oh, month, and that'll kind of roll into that. So we haven't got anything. Planned as yet, but so what? Like a month of preaching, and then you're you're looking for a job elsewhere. Yeah, is that there what's we happening? Go. You're saying I have, you know, I have a month of preaching experience. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I've been uh, <laughs> down in Hermanus for two years this month, actually. Yeah. Wow, pretty interesting place. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another podcast. <laughs> um, Series, maybe. Now, hold on. What do you do, though, Steve? Because I find what you do to be hyper-interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird one at the moment. It's um, quite a broad role. Uh, I think my... So job on, on my job card, it's general manager. But that's okay. of a, a specialist veterinary consultancy that consults in the aquaculture sector, specifically, or mostly anyway, yeah, concerning abalone, abalone, um, or abalone, yeah. If you're from <laughs> down under, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's um, it's interesting. We do a lot of technical work. We you know play with abalone and um, do a bunch of. Uh, do they play catch or do they? Yeah, well, we play catch. You play yeah. catch yeah. with the abalone. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna lose yeah. my job. They can get quite big. Yeah, they can get yeah. it. Um, yeah, really big. Yeah, weird things. So I, I never saw myself doing this. Didn't really. It wasn't a, this intentional plan to do it. Um, came down from Joburg to pick up a role as a water quality um, specialist, um, and it kind of 
just morphed its way into this role of uh, managing this practice. And it's been really good. I've learned a ton. I've met some really good people. I've been stretched learn, learning how to manage people uh, here and there as best as I can. Yeah. Um, so it's been really good. I think um, for me what's been really cool from a Christian perspective is that um, being in the workplace and especially managing people and how that is a opportunity for discipleship. Yeah. Um, just thinking about the text of Mark this weekend, him calling the disciples, and that was kind of something that tied in nicely with where I am, like being a disciple sent out by Jesus uh, into the workplace. And, uh, am I actually viewing it as that? Is that a mission field that I can go into? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting because I feel like, and I remember at the bakery that I worked at last, you really do get the sense that you have the opportunity to shepherd people. Mm. So like, for instance, when people come to church, they come with a mask on. Um, and if someone's hung over, they're going to pull it out for a couple of hours yeah. so that you don't know that they're hung over. Mm. Whereas when people pour into work on a Monday or a Wednesday <laughs> and their eyes are bloodshot and they're cranky, yeah. you know exactly what's up. Yeah. And, um, you have that opportunity to say like, Hey, what were you doing last night? Yeah, maybe <laughs> not so the true. best time to do it. Yeah. Right. And it, you're actually kind of taking this person, like walking beside them and saying, like, what are your, cho- like, what choices are you making? And mm. is this good for the company? And that's the way you need to be thinking. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, be at your workplace, be at uh, a club that you, see people regularly whatever um if it's someone that you see regularly eventually um there will be a uh, inroads to a conversation yeah. uh, there'll, there'll be something that they maybe are wrestling with or confused with or they'll have a struggle in their life and suddenly there's that open door and i'm just seeing more and more how being in the workplace like that uh, you really can bring the gospel to someone uh, really in the moment where they need it yeah. and would receive it where maybe they wouldn't. Maybe someone who you just wouldn't get in the yeah, doors yeah. of the church. Um, I think that's, yeah, for me, something that uh, a lot of Christians, I don't think, uh, remember yeah. when they're going to whatever their context is, be it work or, or um, social, know, social or, yeah. sports clubs, whatever. Um but yeah, totally. The more you're with someone, that that mask that you mentioned, the, they just don't have the opportunity to keep it up as long. Yeah. And eventually, you you just get to know someone. Yeah, um, yeah that's what I'm noticing anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And now, uh, so not to uh, try to put you on the spot with this, but you and Robin. I'm thinking through everyone are probably the most well-educated people at, at church. In fact, you are the most well-educated people at church. Maybe on paper. On paper. But they give but, degrees away nowadays. Yeah, no, that's true. But Robin, she's smart. Oh, so smart, man. Yeah. Mm. I want, um, mm-hmm. I got a side eye out for her. Mm. I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> I'm jerking. <laughs> but, so you studied uh, aquaculture? No, I, I no, what studied... Did you study? um, a master's degree in zoology, specifically ecotoxicology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And that was good fun. Um, yeah. It was good fun. It sort of put me in 
I suppose good enough stead to get land this job that I've got now. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, it was interesting. Good. I love the sciences. I love research, investigation, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, yeah, there's just something I love that 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 whole process, that whole framework of trying to solve things. I like fixing things. Yeah. Um, which yeah. leads us to what you're studying now. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, yeah. In a sense, it is a science, right? Yeah, definitely, I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, just about halfway through my master's in um, apologetics, which includes a lot of uh, philosophy and biblical theology, systematic theology, uh, that's through the Southern Evangelical Seminary in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, so it's an online course, fully online, um, and it's, yeah, challenging. It's a, I mean, if you've... Uh, maybe for as long as I did in being in the sciences uh, in that faculty and exposed to that and only that and now really being exposed to a lot of the philosophy side of things yeah. um, it really stretches you mm-hmm. um, and I think it's brilliant I think everyone should read a little bit of philosophy um, yeah. obviously you've got to pick and choose and um, be careful <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah I think it's a brilliant tool to sharpen the mind and um, really put you in a better stead to understand, even just understanding the Bible. Yeah. It really, it does help, obviously. Um, you know, that's talking specific kinds of philosophy. But yeah, sure. Yeah, logic. Logic is logic just the most reason, yeah. um, useful tool. Um, yeah, I feel like the majority of philosophy that I run into, I wouldn't say I purposefully read philosophy. <laughs> and so whatever I run run into kind of, takes me down the path of becoming a, a nihilist. So. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to be careful. Got, yeah, that was pretty much my my idea of what philosophy was until yeah. I actually started uh, reading more sort of classical apologetics, or, um, okay. classical philosophy, Thomistic. Uh, okay. If anyone you know, listening wants, wants to know sort of more what I'm speaking about specifically, it would be Thomistic, uh, like Thomas Aquinas, you read mm-hmm. his stuff, um, building off Aristotle and um, Plato. It's uh, really, really interesting stuff. I was actually just reading a bit of a biography on uh, Thomas, and here's the thing that struck me about him. I always pictured him, uh, not to not to make fun of him, I'm being serious, but I, I always kind of pictured him as kind of an effeminate, like slender person. <laughs> But like I guess he actually was quite burly. It seems and like got it. made fun of for yeah. having a giant head yeah. and things like this. <laughs> That's what and I'm like goofy well. ears. And yeah. so, yeah. I um, it, it makes me. It actually makes me like him more to think that because you know you see like Augustine, he's pictured with like a very trim beard and mm-hmm. that like see that uh, I don't know what I think it's. Just that yeah, Roman yeah, haircut. Got, you know what I'm he saying? Looks like he's got it together. A little yeah, bit. he's got it together. Yeah, he's cool. Whereas I see Thomas maybe in his uh, like cellar yeah. office writing yeah. and going insane at the same time, <laughs> but also really giving us a beautiful picture, uh, deepening our understanding of who God is at the same time. No? Yeah, from the little bits that I've read on his life, it just seems like this guy, I mean, IQ must have been off the charts. Yeah. And I, I think... Yeah, maybe that's why the big head, but hey. That's true. <laughs> no, really interesting stuff. Actually, when I got a bit more time, I want to read up more just on his life. It seems yeah, like a really interesting guy. Um, yeah. And he yeah. seems like he didn't start off as a, um, what, would he, what would you say, um, uh, 
proper Christian, could we say? No? Yeah, that's what we're looking for here. But yeah, it seems, um, and, and that sort of led him down the path of, you know, refuting a lot of other guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting man. All right, Steve. So we've covered who you are, what you do. Uh, when did you become a Christian? Oh, um, so when I was 17, I was at a, a youth event. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really clear moment for me of hearing a, a really um, just clear gospel presentation. And that for the first time was for me to actually understand uh, in a way that I hadn't really heard it before. Yeah. And at that point, I said, like, yes, this is, uh, this is something I, I need and want uh, in, in a way. Uh, but it was only a good few years after that uh, when I was 22, 23 that I would say I really became a born-again Christian. Okay. And that, that felt like it was um, God really just did a, a work there. Um, and my your life really took a big turn at that stage. Okay. I think it was 20, 23. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So what am I, 31 now? So, yeah, a couple of years. And you got your first after that. Kind of, yeah. No, what it, you got your first taste of ministry, really? Yeah, I did. In uh, 2014, okay. I started working at uh, BBC, Branson Bible Church. I uh, went there as a sort of as an intern for a preaching pastoral role. And that was just really, really cool experience. I ended up spending two years at the church. Um, sort of halfway through my internship, it became more of a uh, paid full-time position and then the year after that was a full-time yeah. post that I had there and that was just really uh, informative and helped form me I think as a Christian in terms of figuring out what it is I uh, believe and, and really seeing firsthand just what ministry can be all about yeah um, and a lot of it wasn't like wasn't pretty I'm not saying like oh ministry <laughs> a lot of it was like eye-opening being like oh my goodness this is this is hectic people are messy man yeah um, <laughs> but it was it was it's a, a beautiful thing, yeah. So, yeah. And um, you got acquainted with the Gospel of Mark there as well. I did. Um, they were going through, and at that stage, just starting um, a preaching series on the Gospel of Mark that took a long time. I forget uh, specifically how many weeks it was, but it, it was a long time. There were a few series, other series that were put in between that. Um, but that was really cool being able to go through a gospel. Um, and at that stage, I was aiding in sermon prep. Okay. Um, so I was helping the, a few of the pastors there uh, help them sermon prep. I would just go through things and um, yeah, give them as much as I could mine out of it, really. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool, just you know, start to end going through the gospel um, with a more sort of critical eye, trying to dig deep. Yeah. Um, and I learned a ton. Yeah, that was really cool. The um, I in a, in a much different setting. I I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like probably at BBC, you were much more deadline oriented and getting things in. Or um, yeah, did you work anyway. ahead often, or was it like, okay, this week we need this? Um, <laughs> a, a bit of both, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, so bigger sort of over, like overarching structure wise. Uh, I think we started. Uh, I started prepping for it. Uh, it was a, probably about three, two or three months before the, the okay. series started. Okay. But that was more just getting acquainted with it, sort of, you know, getting a handle on the book as a whole. And 
yeah, then obviously week to week, depending on who the preacher was, what had happened the week before, what else was going on at the church, if there were events or you know anything that had yeah. to be done then. You know, a bit of time pressure here and there, but um, try to get it about at least two weeks okay. ahead, if okay. possible. Sometimes a bit of a scramble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I feel like... Um, and, and how much of what you did there actually got used? <laughs> oh, that, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> you, you know the phrase, you know, having bullets in the gun... Okay. You know, so a lot of it, I think, was having bullets in the gun, whether they ever got fired out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, if nothing else, um, and I think I'm maybe seeing this with a bit of pre- preparation that I've done for preaching now, to have someone else available, if there's something that you are reading through and you see something, you want to follow that rabbit trail. If you had someone else and you say to them, hey, don't you want to just like follow up on this and that? Yeah, yeah. To have them be able to spend the time, do that and bring it back to you where you don't have to maybe do that legwork um, and then have that with you. Uh, But also just to have another brain uh, to come with a different perspective. And maybe a lot of the time that's really just what I would try and do is just bring a different perspective and try and help up whoever it was who was preaching, um, help them prepare, basically be an aid to them in some way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so whether it got used or not, I think... Even if the, in the process it was just an aid. That's what I love, actually. Uh, I don't know. When I was studying 1 Peter uh, for our 1 Peter series, I I was reading a lot more commentaries than I am currently. So I did a lot of prep prior to the Gospel of Mark series. Whereas with 1 Peter, I was just keeping up week to week. And I was reading a ton of commentaries and my brain was just like flopping out of my head. So honestly, during that series, not that I'm saying that I was doing the best job ever with one Peter, but there week to week, I didn't look at the passage and think, Oh, this is another direction I could have gone with it. Whereas now being in Mark and trying to limit my focus each week I have that where, oh, man, this would be a really good thing to touch on. And this would be, and this would be. And it just shows, at least in my mind anyway, the the diversity of the text mm. and how diverse the teaching of the text can be as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, with still always getting back to the original focus, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. I think this week specifically, um, I came at the text with a application-heavy kind of focus. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just felt that that's um, the way um, I wanted to really take it. But I, I really, you know, I do hear you on that. It's even different times you come and you read, just reading for yourself, and and you can read just pick up different things that are highlighted in different ways on the day. Yeah. Um, and I think if you had to say, okay, prepare a sermon on Mark, um, whichever chapter, and then well, as soon as you finished it, okay, start again, prepare another sermon on that same <laughs> passage. Yeah. Uh, but make it different. I think that would, you, you'd probably find you could come up with several legitimately, like true to the text, good oh, yeah. sermons. Um, yeah, and yeah. so like, how many verses did you have this week? I don't do math. Oh, but if I did do math... Good few. 12. Uh, what was it? 7 to 19. Yeah. So 12, 12 yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been doing like five 
verses. But if I were to do 10 verses or 12 verses, yeah, no, that would totally change the way the sermon is structured. I just have to be brave enough to do it. Hey there, teammates. Wade here. And you have reached the halfway point of this episode of Team Talk. Um, This is a way for you to stay up to date with and connected to the mission of planting churches, building families, and developing communities here in Cape Town, South Africa, more specifically in Hermanus. And uh, the individual that you're meeting today, his name is Steve. Uh, Steve has become a very good friend of mine. Uh, He and his wife, Robin, are good friends to Tara and I here in Hermanus. Um, And here's the really cool part. Steve's a a great guy. He's an interesting guy. He's a smart guy. He's got a cool job. Uh, And yet, one of the coolest things about Steve to me is that um, my most regular or continual prayer throughout the pre-field process that all of you walked alongside us in, you know, the preparation to come back to South Africa and to assist in and then eventually lead in planting a church here. Um, My most consistent prayer was that God would send a couple of adept men uh, slash families in our direction who would be willing to walk alongside of us um, that had the ability to show patience to ignorant Americans. <laughs> and um, God has blessed us with that. I mean, the first year and a half, it was looking a bit shaky, and I had not forgotten that prayer, um, but I was wondering by what means God was going to bring um, those men who would also grow into or uh, develop into leaders in the church plant. And um, then all at once, actually, yeah, within a couple of weeks of one another, uh, two men showed up who know how to handle the word, know how to handle themselves, and uh, really, at the end of the day, uh, are huge encouragements to Tara and I and to our family. And so Steve is one of those guys. We're thankful for him. And as our teammates there in America or in Italy or, uh, sorry, anywhere else that you may be right now, um, we can all thank God for, for Steve and Robin and um, the rest of the members at our church as well who are not just there to sit in a chair but they are there to actually plant a church, to grow the church, and um, to see more churches planted. So that's exciting to us, and I hope that that's exciting to you as well. Um, I hope that through this podcast you see um, a little bit of our church culture, a little bit of a different culture than what was presented in the last two podcasts. Um But then also you begin to ask the questions of, whoa, this conversation sounds a lot different than the last one. And the complexity of planting a church cross-culturally, I really hope that that comes to bear on your mind. Uh, Not for it to look like Tara and I are doing such a difficult work, um, because we're getting to do a work that we really love. Uh, 
but just so you will better know how to pray with us and for us um, and how to ask questions and that uh, as you ask questions, we'll better know how to talk about what it is that we're doing here. Um, Also, as a side note, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this yet, but we are going to be returning to America in 2019 for three months. And we are super excited to see everyone. Uh, We're also anxious about leaving the church here. Um, It's going to be in good hands, uh, good hands of Steve and Derek and uh, a couple other men at the church, a couple other families at the church. And, and yet it seems like we're just now picking up steam as a church in some ways. And, uh, I hate to leave it, but I am so excited to come back to Cedarville and to Florida and New York and Connecticut and Memphis and Dallas and everywhere else along the way, Louisville, um, to sit down, share a meal If not a meal, then just dessert will be fine. That's good. Um, And just catch up on what's been going on with you, your family, your friends, your church, uh, your relationship with Christ. Uh, We're really excited for that. And before I get weepy, um, let's just go ahead and go right back into Steve and I's conversation. Yes, for sure, for sure. Okay, I've got a... And you got some good words in here to read. Oh, man, this is... I felt like a real dummy on Sunday. twisters. Because I practiced it, and I I still, I got to the Sons of Thunder bit. Oh, man, it's the best. <laughs> you, the key is to read it like you're Hispanic. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we are in uh, Mark chapter 3, <laughs> verse 7 to 19, reading from the ESV. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed, from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, for he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority, and cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> it works. It works. Well, it worked. That is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanian and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Sure. 
That's it. Okay, there, first of all, there's some pretty like hard-hitting stuff in these couple of verses. The first of which is, lest they crush him. Yeah, that's... Um, I mean, that would have been anticlimactic. That, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, 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 a strange end. <laughs> Just wouldn't have worked. No, that oh, wouldn't man. have worked. That's, no, but it, it is quite something. And one of the things that I, um, I thought it kind of struck me was, you know... What is ministry success? Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to crush you, so many people are coming, then you're just going to be like, you know, squashed up against the wall of your pulpit. Mm-hmm. Do you think then, Peter uh, ever walked around saying, Jesus, you're crushing it? <laughs> no, they're crushing us. <laughs> Boom. Oh, man. Uh, what, what else? This, I suppose, has been used as a, um, a, uh, a motivation for the pastor having a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. A getaway boat. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, no, but that, yeah, that's... A um, yacht. I mean, a, for us, it would be a oh, yacht. Here in Hermanus. A nice yacht. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. That's good. A very seaworthy, whale-watching mm-hmm. vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, another strange thing about the passage, well, one, Judas, who betrayed him. Mm. I mean, there's no... Hiding it. That's pretty straight. Yeah. The uh, what is it in in Matthew? It says uh, who became the traitor. Oh, is the end of it. Yeah. I think it's Matthew. Now, uh, who wrote this book? Sorry, this, I'm, this I'll ask you that question. <laughs> our little friend John Mark. Okay. And do you think do you think that it's coming from Peter though too, or well, am I making that up? Does it matter? I I think. It, if if you take it as that now this I mean you can sort of segue into a, a, a multi episode series on uh, you know which gospel <laughs> came first yeah. yeah okay and authorship yeah, yeah. but um, I think if I read it with this idea that Mark was preaching uh, Mark was writing off Peter's preaching uh, the idea for me sits pretty well. If I'm looking at the length of Mark, the mm-hmm. punchiness of Mark, mm-hmm. the the quick movement, um, the the repetition of certain types of phrases, it, yeah. you know, if I was looking at this as okay, this is something that someone else has structured as a uh, perhaps a series of talks that they give me, it it does make sense. Uh, whether if if it means that this is exactly penned every single right. word, Peter, maybe not. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it helps maybe with the explanation of why it's so short and punchy and moves yeah. so quickly. It reads like a preach. Yeah. I mean, you could it's just true. get up and read this. Yeah. Um, make a couple of points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what you're doing this week. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm just going to get up and read and say, okay, here's your one point, go home. <laughs> that's good. Um, what else do we need to see in this passage? Oh man! Um, or you can go into so to what you did on Sunday too. That's yeah. fine too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, th- that section. So verses seven to twelve. Um, the one thing that I think would pop up uh, as a question from people is, why does Jesus order the demons not to make him known? No, no, this <laughs> it, it it comes up quite a few times. Yeah, uh, and I can't remember if you've. I've only mentioned it once. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that for me, when I first started reading the Bible, you know, that whole messianic secret. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, what is that? Is it, do I, and what a cool phrase. Am I allowed phrase. to believe in that? What, yeah. what is that? It sounds strange. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so two points that I, I made of that was, well, one, only as far as I can tell from the reading I've done, only the emperor was to be worshipped as God. So if you okay. had to have that claim made about you, or if you made that claim, you'd swiftly sort of be snuffed out or, you know, people wouldn't see you again. You'd probably be locked up. Um, and the other was that Jesus' time to reveal that had not yet come, um, which, but but we can see uh, in the verse, in, in verse, um, where is it? In the section just before this, um, where, you know, there's the Sabbath mm-hmm. controversy and immediately after that, the, the Pharisees start plotting to kill him. Yeah, that's right. That, that ties in with that, for me, that um, that still, that keeping that messianic secret um, a secret. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, just delaying what the Pharisees were doing because, you know, if Jesus had come out right then and started proclaiming what he was and then, then who he was, then idea being that the Pharisees would have done something a lot yeah. sooner. Um, so I think that's um, it's a it's it's actually a simple answer I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that he did, he got in a boat and he withdrew, right? I mean, is it? Do, can we can we take anything from this? Is there or is it just that it wasn't his time yet? He didn't need to get crushed and he didn't need to get revealed mm. by <laughs> by uh, by demons. Yeah. So yeah, I think the idea of Jesus withdrawing um, from this text it doesn't in the way that I think it's it does come up in other parts of the gospel um, is a bit different to what we see here it's Jesus withdrew from uh, being in the, and around the synagogues and he withdrew to the, the wilderness yeah, that's right. but there is that idea of Jesus withdrawing yeah. um, and you know that, is that being away mm-hmm. um, and I think if you had to Look at um, Matthew's gospel, where just before he um, comes to select the twelve disciples, there he definitely, you know, withdrew by yeah. himself. He went up the mountain to pray. Yeah, um, and I think there is something definitely to be gleaned from that. Yeah. Um, Jesus himself speaks pretty flatly about how we should pray, and that I think inherently there, there's um, this idea of withdrawing to be by yourself um, yeah. with the Father, which. Yeah, it definitely was part of this, although Mark doesn't explicitly say it. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I don't know why he left that out. I think it's a pretty good detail. Yeah, it just says, and he, went to, uh, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. Yeah. Where Matthew states that, you know, he went up for the night before and he prayed. And then when he came back, he then called. Yeah. Uh, then. Now, I presume that on Sunday you went hyper-Calvinistic with this. And said uh, that he called those whom he desired, you know, and he appointed twelve. Right? Is that what you did? Some may take the passage there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying no. it wouldn't have accidentally but, slipped out of my but, lips, but I. I so you know, obviously, I, I, I was going to make this illustration, but I did. Okay. Um, when I was at university, I did botany in first year. Okay. And um, I wasn't very good with flowers. Okay. So naming things after flowers still just doesn't sit that well with me. <laughs> <laughs> and if that goes over your head, just leave it there. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, kind of. But this. So my main point from verse seven all the way through to nineteen. Uh, I think the recurring thing that we see. Okay, maybe not seven to twelve, but definitely thirteen 
to 19 was that God calls, disciples respond. Mm. And if you're going to look at, you know, the doctrine of salvation, what soteriology looks like, uh, a lot of guys, I think, do use this passage to launch into those, which is fine. I think you, you can, in a way. You could chew on it. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a springboard. <laughs> um, but what I see, like, blatantly is that, and, and you've preached this already in Mark, it's that God initiates, God calls first. You don't go to seek him first. This is God calling, and there is that element of you must respond. And that's where I left it. You can sort of, you know, the different uh, interpretations or soteriological systems around that. I think either of those uh, or different sort of spectrums would, I think, should... At, just from preaching the text, that is yeah. what you would see. Yeah, they would accommodate that. Yeah, and I mean, with, this isn't uh, this isn't Paul writing or yeah, yeah, like the writer of Hebrews writing, right? <laughs> yeah. This is this is Mark, and yeah. that's where he yeah. left it. Yeah. So that's where we and, leave it. And, and I like that. Um, I think yeah, that was a lot of what I in terms of the application heaviness, if you will. Um, it's God does something, and because of what God has done, there is something that you must do. There's yeah. a way that you must respond, um, and and it's not, it's not a work. It's not a thing that he's now left you to do. It's he's involved with it. He's called you to something. He, uh, yeah, I've got those four points. He calls, he communes, he sends, and he equips. Yeah. Um, and I really, I think I see that here. Um, yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. Lots of foreshadowing going on in this passage. So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Kind of tacked on there at the end. But I find this super interesting uh, because the three things that Jesus has been doing so far is he's been preaching, he's been healing, and he's been casting out demons. Now, we do know that later on, uh, after Pentecost, the disciples, or the apostles at this mm-hmm. point, go around healing. Um, and yet we see here that there's two things they're going to be set out to do, to preach and to cast out demons, both of which they're going to do. Um, but in this, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, we already begin to see the formation of kind of what the mission of the church is mm. in a sense. Yeah. So they're they're casting out evil, darkness is dispersing, light is coming. Um later on healing, we could talk about responsibility that's given to us uh, or that we have because of the gospel to look at the meeting of physical needs, all that kind of stuff later on. But right here we're seeing that they're being sent out to preach. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's good. Um, well, obviously, so there's that, that call that God has in. What really, really stands out for me probably um, the most is the the way that Jesus is here. He, you see these, these human, or these just, you know, the human elements um, of, you know, Jesus um, in and that as much as he has just healed, you know, off the back of the healing of the Sabbath and all that, which is just these clear demonstrations of the deity yeah. of, of Jesus. Then off the back of that, he's 
he he desired these disciples. That's very much like, and I don't think that's this sort of aloof, weird kind of you know desire that only God can have. It's um, the way that you would desire to be with someone. Yeah. I, I think that's <clears throat> what I'm seeing here. So he has that, and then later it's um, which verse do we have here? But he calls them to be with him. Yeah. Um, and that's that's first he called them to be with him so that um, and this idea of Jesus calling you to be with him is I think really really cool like he, yeah. he wanted them to be around him yes for that purpose of you know equipping them so that they could then go and carry out what it what it was that he wanted them to do but that kind of just stood out for me as something that I think you can easily skip over. You can be like, Jesus called me, so I must go and do this thing. It's like, oh, you know, he called you to be with him too. Yeah, yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. Um, sometimes maybe we just need to pause a few moments and just dwell in that and yeah. remember that before you can or should go out and do things, which you are definitely called to do. Sure. You just commune with Jesus and enjoy yeah. him through his word, through prayer, through just times of meditation on the word, you know. Yeah. It's good. No, it's so true, and I feel like even um, people so often very simply look at their call uh, to salvation, and they say, well, good, now I get to go to heaven, right? But realistically, I think what we're seeing here, too, is that Jesus is calling us to enter into his kingdom with him. Like, mm. we're actually going to be with him. Right. It's not, you're right. It's not this aloof thing where, okay, now you're in this safe place and on Jesus is off doing his own thing. It's like, no, we're, we're going to be with him. Mm. And even in the midst of where these disciples soon to be apostles are at now, like they should be wanting to be with him as well. Like this is going to be a mutual thing. Yeah, I like that. There's a, let me just grab this. Uh, I was reading through a commentary just now. I'll tell you the name of. Um, who was but um, so so he's going through this commentary he's just talking about um, you know this passage and it says however before they would be ready to preach the good news they had to spend time with Jesus and learn to pattern their lives on him if we do not follow their example our preaching will be like loudspeakers blaring meaningless propaganda <laughs> I really like that I'll tell you who wrote this section. Let me just <laughs> jump ahead here. Yeah. Uh, you know what I love right now? The way the microphone's picking up the pages turning. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, it's like people know how smart we are then. Yeah, we have, we're just like we, swimming in books, right? We've yeah. got books. Oh, man, we've yeah. got books. <laughs> What's this dude's name? Alan Cole. And, and this uh, commentary oh, Alan Cole. is... Okay, yeah. The new Bible commentary. I don't know much about Alan Cole. Hopefully he's... Um, yeah, he writes that uh, that Tyndale oh, um, okay. one, the one that I sent you nice. as well. Nice. Not the one that I... I didn't send you anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so sorry. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that, that was good. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah I think it's... Um, the next few verses um, that we'll be preaching this week, you know, it, you can't separate them. It goes straight into it. As uh, verse twenty talks about, uh, then he went home, and the crowd gathered so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went to seize him. 
for they were saying he is out of his mind. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I was in two minds of whether I should try and tack this on to the end yeah. of and, and I think the point to make is that true discipleship, if you're living that out, people are gonna look at your <laughs> life and be like, You're crazy. Like yeah. there's something about you like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and um so that's a good uh, I suppose dipstick test. Yeah. <laughs> People are asking you what you're doing. Yeah, you're, you're probably doing something right. Hopefully, although yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not too. That's true. Yeah, it depends on who's asking the question. Yeah, depends on what you're doing exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this passage. Uh, mostly because in, anytime I read the word Beelzebub, I think of Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Um, and so. Maybe that'll be like our intro song this totally. week. Totally, yeah. yeah. You can have it playing as I walk in. I'll be wearing my <laughs> shiny white preacher suit this week. Snake skin boots. Yeah, no, I mean, you should, well, no, I mean, if we're going to do Queen, you should wear like, uh, a, yeah. like a leotard. Mm, going to have to cut the back off. And, <laughs> no one is coming. <laughs> Although it doesn't have the same kind of appeal when you have a lapel mic, you know. <laughs> we'll give you a fake prop mic. Nice, yeah. nice. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, Steve, that's all. Like, you're the preacher here. Yeah. I think. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you, we could get into um, you know looking at the names of the twelve, and you can compare the different gospels and look at. Um, I, I I really do find it very interesting that the these uh, what do they call them three quartets of yeah, names. Yeah. I think that's the way that it's described. Um, and each gospel does that. Um, I haven't dug into it too much. Um, I think it's for as a Bible study thing. That would be uh, definitely something that I'd like to pry into a little bit more. And then also uh, Bartholomew. No, not Bartholomew. Sorry, Thaddeus. Yeah. Uh, Thaddeus is here named Thaddeus in Mark, but in Matthew and Luke, okay. Ju- uh, Judas brother of oh, okay. James I think it's a right. different name um, which as a apologetic point you know guys can come and say aha you see there's 12, <laughs> di- 12 disciples but in one gospel it's the one dude's got this name and then the other two he's got some other names so therefore your manuscripts have problems yeah. um, it was interesting yeah. because two weeks ago um, when I preached and there was that historical discrepancy between high priests mm, yes, yes. and so kind of the easy explanation is that after the one high priest got killed and there was only one survivor, that one survivor was his son who became the high priest. Um, but then, interestingly enough, I told you I was listening to that podcast with uh, Bart Ehrman. Yes. And he said that when he was translating the Gospel of Mark, that's basically what made him lose his faith. <laughs> Which so, kind of seems so like... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I read up on that as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. See, does he put it out there? I think it's a, it's a good thing. And um, Norman Geisler has a, and Norman Geisler and Thomas Howe have a book, uh, The Big Book of Bible Difficulties. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's cool. Um, and there they talk about ages. Uh, we don't use this kind of terminology nowadays anymore. We don't, you know, we, when we use a name of someone, uh, we really mean specifically that person at that time, but mm-hmm. you could have had this um, longer age where it's linked more to, like you say, if someone's son or in the it, in the time of, um, is it um, 
Abiathar. Yeah, yeah. one of Ab- I got Abiathar. the two mixed up actually. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't say it right I, when I, I said I don't it. Know so. if I'm even saying it. I might be. I might have a totally different name right now. I, I think that was from yeah. Lord of the Rings. No, I'm that joking. Sorry, my son. You know, Abiathar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the, to say that it's more like a time period in the time when he ruled now is that, yeah. you know, while um, David was young or was when he was older, it's like, did it you know, transverse, transect the, the time period? It's, um, yeah, apparently they used to use names a little differently yeah. back then or to describe time periods. You could, yeah. you could do that. Which I find interesting because, and I, I think it's even interesting in Mark's gospel, the way he deals with time. And, you know, he's always saying immediately, immediately, mm. immediately, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like all the events are linear yeah, <laughs> or that one thing necessarily came immediately. Yeah. Says, you know? And immediately, what he means, like three days later. Yeah. yeah. Or like after 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> and so you look at it and you're like. Well, clearly, he's speaking in African time right oh, now. Oh, yeah. We know all about it. Maybe that's why we, you know, just resonate. Which maybe the whole Abathar debate. I mean, that's really what it is. There's no debate in Africa. Yeah, we all know what he means. Exactly, <laughs> man. Guys over yeah. on your continent there. He's a cousin. Yeah. He's a cousin, which means that <laughs> his mother used to be the neighbor mm. of the grandmother yeah. of his best friend. Yeah, but we're cousins. But cousins. Yeah. We're like cousins. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So beautiful Steve, content. I, I feel like we've we've hit um what anything left over from the sermon this weekend? Anything um, you need to talk about? Here, I'm I'm gonna say uh, your points. Can yeah, I, or yeah. you, you you say there, there's one point at the end I think that I close with, okay. which is and we didn't touch on this, which okay. I mean we could be here now if we leap into this for another like hour. People which aren't is gonna like that now. Who the apostles are and okay. just how Unextraordinary they are. Yeah. The, um, and you know, anyone who's sort of read a gospel will know that these guys aren't. There's not. This isn't a sterling report of how awesome they were. You know, when <laughs> well, when it ends with <laughs> Judas, who yeah. is like, <laughs> yeah, he, it's pretty clear with him. <laughs> you can't sort of teeter on that one. But it, it's not like you know after Jesus was uh, crucified and put in the tomb, it it's not like all the Apostles got together and you know charged down to defeat the God. You know they yeah. all fled and left the woman to do it. Um, yeah, these guys are. It's quite a funny crew. But point for me is these are ordinary people. God called ordinary people. He used ordinary people. And I, yeah, from what I read in Scripture, firmly believe He still does that today. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here. So. Yeah. We're sitting here when the intelligent person is in the next room. Yeah, just chilling. Yeah, just chilling. Yeah. She didn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> uh, so are, is there anything that we're missing thus far in Mark's gospel? And and basically what I'm asking you to do is to call me, call me out on things that I've left out. Or, I mean, we've already talked about places where we could go deeper. Yeah, I, I suppose it all depends on you know, the sort of approach. Um that you want to take. I mean, we, we could take a more John MacArthur approach and do like two verses mm. and spend like an hour on each of those, which, I mean, you legitimately, well, he, he's skilled enough to do that. I'm not. Yeah. Um, but also, I think at the, the sort of pace we're going to get through the book, um, I think we're doing well. I think we're, well, hopefully we haven't committed any heresies just yet. But I don't think we've committed heresies. We do want 
the majority of our congregation to still be alive. That is true. By the time we get through that the Gospel true. of Mark. That is true. Um, Which is why, you know, I picked 12 <laughs> verses as, as Exactly. I mean, one Peter was 18 weeks, but everyone was younger back then, <laughs> including oh, myself. Oh, aged us. It was great. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah, so next week we're looking at uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Oh, mm. This week, rather. This up Sunday coming. That's pretty and, serious. Uh, yeah, and Jesus' mother and brothers where he asks, um, you know, who who is my mother, who is my brother? Um, not something you should ask your mother, though. No, no, this is not a Mother's Day message. Don't, right yeah, don't make that the, like, the application. <laughs> <laughs> application... Point number three. Who is your mother? <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, looking forward to it. Okay, good. And uh, Steve, I, I don't know about you or about anyone else involved in this whole podcasting process, but I enjoyed this. Mm, this is fun. This is past my bedtime. This is good. Mine too. No, not really. No. Yeah, dude. I, I know it's not past your bedtime. I linger. Well, I only get up. What are you going to do after we're done with this? Oh. It's a good question, you know. Probably go and look at more um, YouTube videos. Okay, but that's where your real flowers, education takes yeah. place. It is true, actually. Yeah. You know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, just gonna call it a night. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well then, uh, signing off. This is Wade and Steve. Man, these atheists are really <laughs> getting me today. <laughs> oh, they're game.